I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Wallentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So grab your invention. And let's get civical. Everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Wallentowski. And our names are trademarked. Trademarked. Can't trademarked, take them. you can't use them. Can't take them. No. It's mine, not yours. Sorry. They're off. What's the thing next to it? Is like a little... It's like a little T? Like The circle? Is it a T or... What's the R? Is there an R? Oh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's R as trademark. We're already starting off on a great start. You guys, we did research. You have to know that. We did do research. But there is there is like a little thing that, that's next there to is. trademarked things. I think it's an R. Or I think I'm thinking right. of Radio Shack. And the R with a circle. <laughs> 
Oh wait, oh, wait. Let's see what these mean. Hold on. There's there's a helpful. Oh, are there okay, symbols? We'll put this on Instagram. TM stands for trademark. Yeah. R in the circle stands for registered trademark. So you know what? We're both correct. Okay, and I love what we are. Mm-hmm. It so seldom happens that way. <laughs> It's usually one of us is profoundly profoundly wrong. And then, of course, C stands for copyright. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, actually, legally, none of this is trademarked. um, But you know what? If you manifest it, it will come. It will come true. It will come true. So, obviously, our banter is because we are talking today about the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Super sexy. Very exciting. It actually kind of is. It kind of, I mean, listen, as creators mm-hmm. of things it is probably one of the most helpful offices were we to make use of her yeah. to people like us because we can send stuff to be and i i i, I will when you know I have, I have stuff that i need to copyright like it's an office that is very useful to us yeah yeah i if you want to invent stuff mm-hmm. Which, I mean, can you imagine if I was an inventor? Oh, my God. You'd be an amazing inventor. I think I would be an amazing inventor. I have no Mm -hmm. ideas. But I think, like, vibe-wise, like, Lizzie Stewart, inventor. Great. Come on. Come on. What else do you need? What else do you need? I need need? nothing. No. Move over, Tesla. (laughs) It's me. It's Lizzie. Lizzie, it's Lizzie. It's Lizzie Stewart. You'll all be driving little Stuart mobiles before you know it. (laughs) Powered by conspiracy theories about unsolved murders. Yep. And hot dogs. And hot dogs. Obviously, the two things I'm known most for. (laughs) Easy. I love it. So obviously, we're talking about this today. We're going to have a fun episode. I have no more banter to give. So I think we just jump in. I think so. I have to say, I was a little nervous when I was researching this topic because I put in my initial, you know, like search questions and nothing mm-hmm. really came up about the history of the patent office. It was You're a little like, sparse. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then I was like, oh, but we also should just talk about like, what is a patent? Like, what is a patent? Who gets to patent Well, we have shit? to. Yes. Start How- with Start with the basics. Start with the basics. So there is some history, there's some mission stuff, and then we're going to talk about like what the things actually are that the patent office regulates. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. And the sources for today, because I know you're going to ask. Mm-hmm. I'm asking. One is Find Law, which is a website that comes up frequently, but they were the ones that had the really good, succinct history of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Love. And it's like a legal, like a legalese website. Like it comes up sometimes when we do like court cases. Mm Mm-hmm. So they were helpful. And then the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office herself. Straight from the horse's mouth. She was full of info. Full of info. I I would hope so. Yeah. I would genuinely hope so. Because not all websites that are like of the entity itself are helpful. Sometimes I get on them and I'm like, for who is this for? For who is this for? It no. is not for the the average plebeian. You know what I mean? No. No. This was, this was I mean, dense, too. Like, lots of information. But I, I, fa- I found mm. the page that I was like, ah, oh, this is for a dum-dum like me on this topic. This, yep. Here we are. Here we are. And here we are. Mm-hmm. 
All right, let's swan dive into her, her story, the history of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. So Congress established the United States Patent and Trademark Office to issue patents on behalf of the government. They're like, you, somebody deal with this. We can't, yep. Congress cannot be doing this. No, no, no. The Patent Office as a district bureau dates from the year 1802. She's old. She's old. She's old, yeah. but she still look good. Mm-hmm. When a separate official in the Department of State who became known as, quote, superintendent of patents. Hello. Was placed in charge of patents. Okay, I want I want this I want I this know. title. I know. I want this title. I want to be known as the superintendent of patents. It's a great one. I think it's only fair. Mm-hmm. The revision of the patent laws enacted in 1836 reorganized the patent office and designated the official in charge as commissioner of patents. I think less strong than superintendent. Less strong. Superintendent sounds very, you know, like you're doing the work. Right. You're doing the work. You're cleaning up. You're making things happen. Commissioner right. just sounds like, I don't know. Just less. Just well, we have so many commissioners. We have so many commissioners. Have, yeah. That's what I liked about superintendent is like, we don't have superintendents. No. That doesn't exist in government entities. No. And that's probably why they were like, this doesn't exist. Let's make it a commission. Let's make it a commission. <laughs> the patent office remained in the Department of State until 1849 when it was transferred to the Department of the Interior. Mm-hmm. We're going inside. In 1925, it was transferred to the Department of Commerce, where it is today. The name of the patent office was changed to the Patent and Trademark Office in 1975 and changed to the United States Patent and Trademark Office in 2000. I really... Okay, wait. It's stop, very important on. we name her correctly. Stop, 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 stop. They changed it from the Patent and Trademark Office to the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Very important. As though it this office belonged to another country? You never know. Could be Canadian. I just... I know. I was like, we're so, uh... They're like, we just have to make this crystal clear that Christ this is for us mm -hmm. and nobody else, even though it exists in our Department of Commerce. Right. Just <laughs> so everybody else around the world, it's clear. It's ours. I mean, is there an international trade? I mean, I... I don't... Oh, God. I don't even know. I don't think so. I've never heard of that. I, that doesn't mean it, it doesn't right. exist. But... Ugh. I don't even, yeah. Who knows? But I'm glad, you know what, I'm glad we dotted our I's and crossed our T's. Sure. I'm, I'm sure it's beneficial for something. Yes. So the United States Patent and Trademark Office has a mission, and that's very good. 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 For over 200 years, the basic role of the United States Patent and Trademark Office has remained the same to promote the progress of science and the useful arts by securing to inventors the exclusive right to their respective discoveries. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. This is an ally. This is an ally mm -hmm. of an office. This exactly. is the groovy office. They're like, you got a crazy idea? Get over Great. here. Great. Make it your own. Mm -hmm. Nobody else can have this crazy idea but you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. They publish issued patents. They record the assignment of patents. And they maintain a search room for the use of the public to examine issued patents and records. 
and they supply copies of records and other papers. So they're taking the applications, they're reviewing mm. the applications, they're mm-hmm. saying yes or no to the applications, and then mm-hmm. they allow anybody to go in and search their records to see who has a patent for that thing. They have archives. They have archives. It's great. Hell yeah. It's great. Hell to the yes. The work of examining applications for patents is divided among a number of examining technology centers, each TC, having jurisdiction over certain assigned fields of technology. Each TC is headed by a group of directors and staffed by examiners and support staff. The examiners review applications for patents and determine whether patents can be granted. If you apply and you're refused a patent, an appeal can be taken to the Board of Patent Appeals and Interference Interferences. Ooh. Interferences. Right? I'm reading that word, right? Interferences. An appeal yeah, can be taken. Word. Work it. An appeal can be taken to the Board of Patent Appeals and Interferences. It's an excellent name. Yeah. I I mean, I have been pro this office from the very top of this episode. Yep. And I, and it just keeps, it just keeps getting better. It just keeps getting better. And you can appeal their decision to refuse to grant a patent and a review by the director of the office themselves may be on hand on other matters by petition. So you can literally, if you're denied a a, a patent, you can appeal and potentially the head of the office. Yeah. Will come hear your complaint. And look at it. And look at it. Those are great. They take it seriously. Yeah. They're thorough. They're... They have like different departments for different types of things. It's not just like Joe Schmo who who does, you know, who makes clocks is right. also reviewing cellular technology. It's, right. you know, everybody is staying in their lane. Like these yeah. are experts that are literally, you know, trained to know the industry in which you're submitting your patent for. It's so good. Who are reviewing your patent. And then you have, and then you have checks and balances. Oh my God. It has it all. The examiners in these areas also identify applications that claim the same invention and may initiate proceedings known as interferences. Hell yeah. I love That's where it this. Comes from. To determine who was the first inventor. I love this. Important. This is important. Important. What if somebody steals your idea? Who stole whose idea? Didn't Edison steal Tesla's idea? Something like that. Somebody stole somebody's idea. There's something in there. Yeah. You know, we didn't do this episode about that. But, like, there are, are like, major... I mean, because people can make a lot of money... Oh, yeah. ...off of, you know, ingenious inventions. So if somebody stole your idea and then go go and makes a billion dollars... Yep. There is recourse for you to go to this office and say, um, excuse me, here are the receipts. I am the rightful owner of this invention. Right. And you go get your money. Go get your money. Go get your money. In addition to examining the applications for patents, other offices perform various services such as receiving and distributing mail. Great. We have mailmen in the, <laughs> in the office. Receiving Perfect. new applications. Handling sales of printed copies of patents making copies of records, inspecting drawings, and recording assignments. At present, the office has over 6,500 employees, half of whom are examiners with and others with technical and legal training. Patent applications are received at the rate of over 350000 per year. 
The office receives over 5 million pieces of mail each year. Whew. They're working hard over there. God bless them. It's a busy, busy job. They're very busy. So let's ask the question that's on everybody's mind, which is what are patents? (laughs) What are they? What are they? What are they? If you don't know, I'm about to tell you. So a patent for an invention is the grant of a property right to the inventor issued by the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Generally, the term of a new patent is 20 years from the date on which the application for the patent was filed in the United States, or in special cases, from the date an earlier related application was filed, subject to the payment of maintenance fees. <laughs> you got to I love it. They're like, it's still, you still have to, but yes, we'll still hold your piece of paper, but you need to pay us to hold the piece of paper. But there will be money involved. Yes, yes, yes. U.S. patent grants are effective only within the United States, ooh, Mm -hmm. U.S. territories and U.S. possessions. Under certain circumstances, patent term extensions or adjustments may be available. The right conferred by the patent grant is, in the language of the statute and of the grant itself, quote, the right to exclude others from making, using, offering for sale, or selling, end quote, the invention in the United States or importing the invention into the the United States. What is granted is not the right to make, use, offer for sale, sell, or input, but the right to exclude others right. from making, using, offering for sale, blah, 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 blah. Right. Once a patent is issued, the pat, the patentee. Patentee. <laughs> patentee interference. This is a great word episode. The patentee. I love it. I want to be a patentee. The patentee must enforce the patent without aid of the United States Patent and trademark office. Right. So they're not an enforcement not, agency. They're like not if, enforcement. If you think somebody is producing your machine that you have a patent for and you want to do something about it, you have to sue them. You have to, you have to take it to court. It's your yeah. own thing. The patent office will you know. not help you with that. Yeah. There are three types of patents. So the first patent is utility patent. And they may be granted to anyone who invents or discovers any new and useful process, machine, article of manufacture, or composition of matter, or any new and useful improvement thereof. Yeah. Second patent is a design patent. And they may be granted to anyone who invents a new original and ornamental design for an article of manufacture. Mm-hmm. And finally, the third third patent is a plant patent and they may be granted to anyone who invents or discovers and asexually reproduces any distinct and new variety of plants it's so good it's the episode that keeps on giving patentee <laughs> interferences and asexually we have never had any of these words before i wish you were doing bingo i'm just i'm just so can how how many plants are they I, getting in? I guess a lot. I don't know. In order for it to be one of the three. Right, right, right. Oh, man. It's really stellar work. Because it's not like species, right? It's plants. It's plants. Yeah, it's it's just, it's so niche. 
in plants. Yes. Uh... It's, yes, because the first one, the utility one, is like, if you have a thing that does stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is, if you have a new way to do the same thing of an of a of a prior existing machine that does stuff. If you have a new way to design that machine, that's number two. Mm-hmm. Three mm-hmm. plants. New plant? Plants. Come to us. You got a new plant? Plants. We'll see it. We'll and eat you've it. Asexually we'll cut it. reproduce them? Right. Hello. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down to Funky Town. <laughs> Whew. What a doozy. What a doozy. We're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. So what can be patented? In the language of the statute, any person who invents or discovers any new and useful process, machine, manufacture, or composition of matter, or any new useful improvement thereof may obtain a patent subject to the conditions and requirements of the law. The word process is defined by law as a process. Act or method and primarily includes industrial or technical processes. Oh, perfect. I love. Who was like, we're going to define the word with a word. How could I say, how can I tell you what process means? So it's like a process (laughs) involving processes where you process what you're processing. Right. And then when you're done with the process, then we'll start the process of issuing you a patent for your process. Correct. Correct. Got it. Got We're it. good. I completely understand. I have no holes Fully in Fully get it. I get it. The term machine used in the statute needs no explanation. No explanation. 
You don't know what a machine is? Why are you why are you submitting a patent if you don't know what a machine is? I just want to be perfectly clear that these notes are coming directly from the US Patent Office. The term machine and I love them. Needs no explanation. Literally no explanation. their words. I love them. I love Literally them. Literally so Google. Much. <laughs> Oof. Oof. The term manufacture refers to articles that are made and includes all manufactured articles. Okay. Perfect. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you very Clarity. much. Clarity. Completely understand. The term composition of matter relates to chemical compositions and may include mixtures of ingredients as well as new chemical compounds. That I appreciate. Yeah. That I appreciate. I, en- I enjoy Science. that explanation. Mm-hmm. These classes of subject matter taken together include practically everything that is made by man and the process for making the products. <laughs> what about everything made by woman? Thank you. Thank you. Excellent Language point. Matters. Excellent point, Lizzie Stewart. Thank you. And that's why I am a part of the U.S. Patent Office. Mm-hmm. There's one exclusion. And thank God. Thank God we thought of this. Thank because God. I just... Somebody, there was some intern somewhere in, you know, 1953 who was like, mm. um, what if, but what if this happens and maybe... We should do something to prevent it. So the exclusion is the Atomic Energy Act of 1954 excludes the patenting of inventions useful solely in the utilization of special nuclear material or atomic energy in an atomic weapon. Yeah. You can't make it at home. No. No. It's only for us to make as the government. Right. And honestly, like, I, I would I would actually argue with you and say it was probably, this was passed probably because somebody tried to submit a patent right. for a nuclear weapon. Oh, oh my God. that's That would be... And they were like, oh my God. Oh my God. No. No. I know no. we said chemicals and combination of chemicals, but we were no. not talking about this. Mm-mm. We were talking about, Mm-mm. like, new helium. Yes. Make the balloons bigger. Yeah, that's what An we were talking about. plant. Yeah, right. The patent law office, sorry, the patent law specifies that the subject matter must be, quote, useful. Okay. The term useful in this connection refers to the condition that the subject matter has a useful purpose. <laughs> and includes <laughs> operativeness that is a machine which will not operate to perform the intended purpose, would it not be called useful? Oh my God. And therefore would not be granted a patent. I just, it's so worthy. I think the There's person who geeks. wrote this is my soulmate. This is like, <laughs> like it, what does useful mean? It ha- to, to be useful, it has to be something that is useful. Right. Or let's stretch it out. Let's rethink it. A useful purpose. It must have a there useful purpose. Yes. That's what that it means. That you can use. Obsessed. Yeah. I just love this. A machine which will not operate to perform the intended purpose would not be called useful. Yeah. If your machine <laughs> don't work, it's not useful. It's not useful. It's there's not useful. No, there's no way to use so you don't get it. A pa- your machine don't work. We try it. We press go. It don't work. Mm-hmm. No patent. No patent. That it. 
A patent cannot be obtained upon a mere idea or suggestion. This is very important. And as a writer, yeah. I have to say, this is very, this is like, has been drilled into us because you cannot copyright an idea. So like, if I want to have, if my idea is that I have an idea for a film that Lizzie Stewart is the queen of everything. And, and I'm I like, hope mm. you do. All right. And I'm like, this is blockbuster gold. And before I mm-hmm. have, before I have time to write it, I need to copyright my idea. I can't send that idea into the United States government because they will laugh in my face because you can't well, get to patent, it. trademark or copyright an idea or suggestion. Mm. Got to put pen to paper, people. You got to put pen to paper. The patent is granted upon the new machine, manufacturer, etc., as has been said, and not mm-hmm. upon the idea or suggestion of the new machine. So you've got to have plans Yes. I'm assuming they Helpful. need the machine. Like, they want you to build it so that you can work it. I don't know. Or at least, like, have design plans. Design I'm plans. Sure, right. Of, like, how this is supposed to work. Right. A complete description of the actual machine or other subject matter for which a patent is sought is required. Yeah. So you got to be like, here's my paperwork. Yeah. My drawings. Here's my engineering things. Submit. Submit. <laughs> Submit. Let's talk about who can apply for a patent. What are the requirements for you specifically? So according to the law, the inventor or a person to whom the inventor has assigned or is under an obligation to assign the invention may apply for a patent with certain exceptions. If the inventor is deceased, The application may be made by legal representatives, that is, the administrator or executor of the estate. If the inventor is legally incapacitated, the application for patent may be made by a legal representative or a guardian. If an inventor refuses to apply for a patent or cannot be found... (laughs) A joint inventor may apply on behalf of the non-signing inventor. Mm. You got all that? If two or more persons make an invention jointly, they apply for a patent as joint inventors. A person who makes only a financial contribution is not a joint inventor. You got to help make it. You got to make it. You can't just finance it. You can't just be Mr. Moneybags. No. You got to be in there tinkering. Mm-hmm. So they cannot be joined in the application as an inventor. It is possible to correct an innocent mistake in erroneously omitting an inventor or in erroneously naming a person as an inventor. Okay, well, great. I hope, I hope it is not an end-all be-all. Like, I mean, you know. Right. Pe- like, this is this is paperwork. People make mistakes on paperwork all the time. All the so. time. There has to be a way to be like, oh, can we take this name I'm off? Or, oh, this. I forgot to add, you know, Arden's name. Please add her right. as the inventor. Right. I was expecting that this person gave me, who gave me a million dollars, was also going to help me invent the thing. But they didn't. I did take their money. But they didn't help me invent it. it so can we take that person's right. name off? It has to be an innocent mistake, though. It has, as named in this. That's true. On the website. That's true. No intentional it can't be lying. A, no intentional lying has no. to be innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. So it's the patent and trademark office. Yes. So let's talk about what trademarks and copyrights are because they're different. 
And mm-hmm. as we discovered in our quick research at the top of this episode, those little doohickey images at the ends of names and brands and et cetera mean different things. They do. So trademarks. A trademark is a word, name, symbol, or device that is used in trade with goods to indicate the source of the goods and to distinguish them from the goods of others. A service mark is the same as a trademark, except that it identifies and distinguishes the source of a service rather than a product. Oh, okay. Mm. I understand mm-hmm. the difference. Okay. Mm-hmm. One thing where it's a thing I can hand to you, a product. The other thing is something I'm doing for you, providing for you. It's some kind of service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The terms trademark and mark are commonly used to refer to both trademarks and service marks. So, yes, we're confused because they are indeed often lumped together. Yes. In other words, it's not our fault. It's not our fault. It's never it's our, our fault. fault. We're confused. Trademark rights may be used to prevent others from using a confusingly similar mark, but not to prevent others from making the same goods or from selling the same goods or services under a clearly different mark. So if we both want to sell boxes that contain birthday surprises, we can both sell those. Exactly. We can sell, we can both sell those. But I guess what the trademark is stopping you from doing is me selling them under your name. And your branding. Right. If I already have right. a trade. Yeah. If I yeah. already have, you know, birthday box, TM, yeah. you can't sell birthday box. Or you can't. I mean, I don't even think it has to necessarily be for birthday boxes. You just can't use the name birthday box. You can't box use the name. But we can sell anything. the same thing. As long as I don't sell, as long as I don't sell something called birthday boxes, because you have that trademark, I call mine. Yeah. Birthday celebrations. Right. Then I can sell mine yeah. and you can sell yours and we're both fine. And I do, and I do believe that when you're submitting something for a trademark, you also indicate like the, the types of goods and services Mm, you're going to use it for. So it's like clothes, like apparel, Mm. uh, you know, household items, skincare, whatever. Like you, you do designate what industries you're going to be using the trademark for. Right. So that also puts parameters on how protected your trademark is. Right. Last but not least, copyrights. Copyright is a form of protection provided to the authors of, quote, original works of authorship, including literary, dramatic, musical, artistic, and certain intellectual works, both published and unpublished. The 1976 Copyright Act generally gives the owner of copyright the exclusive right to produce the copyrighted work, to prepare derivative works, to distribute copies or phono records of the copyrighted work, to perform the copyrighted work publicly or to display the copyrighted work publicly. So it's great. Like I'm about to copyright a whole bunch of shit and that gives me a lot of power. And that's really nice to be able to like have control over the stuff that you have produced out of your own brain. That's great. Yeah. You'll also see, I feel like there's been kind of a little bit of a surge in like, um, like legal battles between musicians yeah. on like, oh, this this song sounds like this song. So there's like a copyright lawsuit because they use parts of the melody or whatever. And, right. Um, I know that's happened a couple of times in recent uh, memory. Yeah. So it's, it's not just for the written word. It's also no. for like other forms of art and creative expression. 
Right. The copyright protects the form of expression rather than the subject matter of the writing. For example, a description of a machine could be copyrighted, but this would only prevent others from copying the description. It would not prevent others from writing a description of their own or from making and using the machine. It's just so the if writing. You wrote, if you wrote a story about how I was queen of the world, right. you would have copyright to that story. However, somebody else could also write a story about me being queen of the world. Right. It just has to be very different. Different. Right. Maybe a different world. Right. Maybe, you know, I'm I'm a blonde, you know. Sometimes you like, are. Some and sometimes I am because I can't choose on a hair color for myself. Mhm. But that's why, you know, that's why there have been 80 million World War II movies because you right. can all take the same idea. Right. You just have to make it distinguished enough from all of the other ideas on the playing field, which is why when a new one is coming up, I'm like, how are there possibly <laughs> stories left to tell about World War II? About World War II. I know. Every now and then you get a World War One, and I'm like, okay, great. Great. This is something fine. new, something fresh. Right, right, right. But just for example. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah. Copyright your ideas, y'all. Yeah. Or not your ideas. Not That's your ideas. actually not what you're supposed write, to do. Write them copyright down in some work. Because <laughs> copyright, I think it has to be like, I know for screenplays it has to be a complete draft. You can't be like, here's my act one. And then I think yeah. for, I forget what it is. There, It has to be like a complete version. And I, there might even be like a page length or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Copyright. Get your trademarks, get your patents. Just protect yourself, protect y'all. Yourself. Like, if you have brilliant ideas, which I know you do because you're listeners of this show, mm-hmm. protect yourself and protect your ideas because there is a full system in place for you to do so. Yeah. And that way, if somebody comes along and they try to pull one over on you, you can say, excuse mm-hmm. me, this is mine. Am I any? Mm-hmm. But with that, that is the end of our patent and trademark office episode. TM. <laughs> As always, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.